You're listening to a Natural Products Insider podcast, now on Google Play. With Judy Bazzazzaro, Senior Editor. Heather Granado, Vice President, Content, Health, and Nutrition. And Sandy Almandaris, Director of Content. Brought to you by Supply Side West, October 15th through the 19th in Las Vegas. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Insider Podcast. I'm Judy Bazzazzaro and I am here in our Phoenix office with our Vice President of Content, Heather Granado. Hello. And, and our Director of Content, Sandy Almandares. Hi, Judy. Hi, Heather. Uh, we have all just returned from the IFT show in New Orleans where we got to see the latest formulation trends uh, around food and beverage and uh, see all the new ingredients that are out there for uh, product formulation. So. Um, there certainly was a lot of trend spotting, so we're just going to jump right into this and look at the big picture trends that are, are basically driving innovation and product development. So I think probably one of the best places to start is with clean label, which has really become mainstream uh, with consumers expecting natural and better few ingredients in their products. And while the term clean label has popped up a few years ago, the concept is not new. Um, we're seeing elements of clean labels such as organic and non-GMO. They've been part of the market vernacular for decades, and ingredient suppliers are amping up their functionality factors. So we're seeing more complete portfolios uh, addressing demand for products that are gluten-free, vegan, dairy-free, formulation challenges such as sugar reduction, sodium reduction, uh, fat replacements, and things like that. Uh, Lots of new fibers, starches, gums, colors, and flavors. So it kind of it's the whole gamut. I think you're right. I think on the clean label side of things, what you've got is consumers are demanding to be able to look at a label and understand what's on there. They want fewer ingredients and the ability to actually understand what they are. So across the board throughout the show, you definitely saw ingredient suppliers who were offering ingredient solutions, portfolios, as well as a lot of product prototypes that were specifically designed to meet certain requirements, whether that was gluten-free or low sugar, whatever the consumer was looking for, they wanted to help their customers bring a product to market faster. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's this, it's an evolving of, of clean label where it's not just a few ingredients, but there are the ingredients that actually count. They want to have functionality to the ingredients. They don't just want a colorant, they want a colorant that adds antioxidant or something else that, you know, they really want to be able to get the most from their foods that are clean and natural. Uh, I agree, Sandy, Um, especially when it comes to functionality. We saw more focus on gut health, immunity, brain health. Um, You know, they're really elevating the functional ingredients and really using marketing and packaging to tell that story so consumers really understand that I am buying this bar and it's going to do X or I'm going to drink this and it's going to do X. For instance, like Carrie had a collagen cold brew immunity coffee containing uh, their Wellmune. They also had a blood orange MCT sparkler and a blueberry lavender lemonade with its branded uh, probiotic, Ganadin BC30. We're seeing more of that popping up on, on the shelves and becoming more commonplace. Yeah, I saw a collagen shot that was a prototype at DSM, and actually they couldn't share the prototype with me because they were gone. And this was day two of the show. So obviously, something like collagen hits a lot of consumer interest in that healthy aging, you know, I want to be more active longer. But at the same time, DSM doing a great job of saying, I've got all these ingredients in a portfolio, I can actually come to you with a solution. Absolutely. And 
And they're tasting much better. They are tasting much better. It's really important. Mm -hmm. That was another thing that we saw, I think. And also tasting much better are these uh, meat alternatives, these plant-based products, these plant-based textured proteins. They're using chickpea protein. They're using pea protein. They're using soy protein. They're using textured wheat protein. Um, I even saw Mitsubishi doing... Curdlin, a gelling agent, which I never heard of, but they were using that for imitation sushi. Um, ICL Foods Specialties was a vegetarian sausage that had pea protein. MGP Ingredients had vegan crab cakes with their textured wheat protein. Um, Kikoman had meatball and jerky that was actually, the jerky was actually mushroom based. Um, And PLT had their Arteza chickpea protein. Um, So these are all, or I'm sorry, and a soft serve ice cream. Um, I also saw other alternative dairies. Anjimoto had pea protein and chocolate milk. um, And AAK had a vegan soft serve with coconut and sunflower oil. So, um, and they actually, these all taste very good. They taste similar. I mean, I'm a vegetarian, so I don't actually know how similar they taste to the products, but. um, I'm not sure. I went by Hormel and they had some really good bacon. Uh, that they were demoing on avocado toast. So, so meat's not dead. Meat's sure. not dead, <laughs> but I would agree that I think the plant-based side of things has come a long way. Absolutely. In fact, um, I know the Plant-Based Foods Association, uh, in conjunction with Nielsen, did a market study in 2018 where it showed that plant-based food sales grew by 20% over 2017, reaching $3.3 billion. That number's only going to go higher and higher uh, every year. It is here to stay. Um, you know, we're talking dairy alternative, meat alternative, lots of grains, um, you know, increasing fiber content and reducing sugar content, um, all of these micronutrients to achieve nutritional claims on the label. Yeah, um, I saw a really interesting new superfood grain that was from Africa. It was called Fonio. It was this gluten-free superfood from Farfina Foods. And just something really new like that, I think, is interesting in that grain category. But certainly, as we've talked about the added value, I also talked with um, Bryce, uh, and they were talking about the benefits of uh, barley, malted Mm -hmm. barley. And both malt products and Bryce talked a little bit about how in the sweeteners category, you're using these malt extracts because they actually have added value. So you're getting something like a fiber or digestive wellness. This is something that people are looking for in that sweetener space, I think. Absolutely. In fact, um, ADM, they had a uh, savory nutrition bite, and it had fruits and vegetables, ancient grains, chickpeas, fibers, um, and they also had a kombucha bite for uh, gut health. And it was had protein, fiber, fruit, uh, and it was all for uh, boosting energy and supporting gut health. That's a lot of ingredients. That's a lot of ingredients. <laughs> but they are, are using them synergistically to you know, get that nutritional claim. So we're seeing a lot more of that instead of where it would have just been like a chickpea or a pea flour. We're seeing more heirloom, you know, heirloom wheats and identity preserved grains. I know Arden Mills really was showcasing its quinoa, chickpeas, heirloom, uh, heirloom wheats, identity preserved grains. They're really investing in the, in the uh, ancient grains category. So back to the, the sweeteners we were just talking about. I was at the Pino booth, and they've got their chicory root fiber that we all know about. Um, and they have a new study um, that it was saying that it, 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 well, you can use this as a sweetener in, in many products, but a new study that they conducted um, shows that it helps the inner wellness of uh, children who were aged three to six. And uh, I say inner wellness because it, 
they're, they're moving away from immunity claims, as, as I learned when I went to the booth. So uh, I think that they, they feel that the, the immunity claims put them more at risk. But anyway, so their inner wellness, their, their product boosts inner wellness in children uh, and also sweetens. Um, and it was interesting at the booth and during a discussion, um, one of the folks there said that new research is showing that it's all about the prebiotics and it's not the probiotics. And perhaps it was the prebiotics all along that we were attributing the probiotic health, health benefits to, which I don't know, maybe, but uh, maybe they're saying that the prebiotics are going to overtake probiotics. I so think you're we'll seeing more that. on prebiotics and it's certainly that interest in fiber and gut health. It's also the benefits from a sweetening side of things. Mm -hmm. So definitely from sweeteners, uh, there were presentations both at Innova and at Mintel that were focusing on sweeteners. So Innova talked a little bit about the growth in alternative sweeteners. So they actually have seen 13% growth in food and beverage launches with stevia in the last year. 21% growth in launches with monk fruit, 25% growth in launches with thalmatin, and a 45% increase in launches with allulose, which obviously, you know, you just have FDA approval on allulose. So companies like Tate and Lyle really promoting that. Well, and I think one of the things that's really driving the whole sweetener conversation is the fact that effective January 1 next year, the new nutrition label goes into effect. I mean, it's mandatory. And, um, you know, part of a, the biggest change of that is the inclusion of the added sugars line in terms of grams and percent of daily value on the label. You're seeing more ingredients that are natural and not having to be listed under that. They're also being used in systems, which allows you to have lower sugar as opposed mm -hmm. to no sugar. And I, I saw a number of different prototypes yeah. that were doing that. I think you started seeing it with stevia and a lot of the stevia companies realized that it might not be the best solution for going to a zero sugar, but it's a great solution if you're actually using it in a blend. I mean, since 2008, Mintel noted that over 20,000 products have launched globally with stevia. That's massive. Now at the show, you saw a lot of commodity stevia. Um, so I think companies are looking for ways to differentiate. Pure Circle was offering formulation application assistance, but also have this really robust IP portfolio that allows the vertical integration. And I thought it was interesting, they're actually working with tobacco farmers in North Carolina to help them transition their land to more sustainable, probably long-term healthy crops. So an interesting move by Pure Circle on the Stevia side. Absolutely, and you know, Stevia, has been hindered a bit by the aftertaste. And so you're seeing more stevia blends, um, blends of monk fruit and stevia. Uh, we saw a lot of prototypes as we have over the past few shows. I'm also seeing different parts, like it used to just be Reb A, and now Reb M is, is mm -hmm. out there. Um, Virginia Dare had a keto cookie uh, with using Reb, Reb M to sweeten. I saw a number of Reb M products, absolutely. I think that what you're what you're finding is companies are actually getting into different breeds of stevia that have higher levels of the different roboticides so that they can actually selectively increase what they're looking for for the particular sweetening properties. And it's also making it affordable to the manufacturers, and that's the bottom line. Another thing with sweeteners, especially sugar, is it's functional. It adds, it not only adds to sweetness, but it adds to texture and how something bakes. And so you're also seeing uh, fats and oils companies that are introducing new solutions to address that. For instance, uh, AAK launched a new global brand of plant-based uh, oils called Aquaplanet. 
Um, and it's designed for formulators to have real-life solutions to plant-based foods and beverages. Qualisoy has continued to innovate with its hyaluric uh, soybean oil. And, you know, we actually saw two things that were interesting to me when it, when it comes to fats and oils is the tortilla. There were two companies that kept talking about tortillas. Uh, one was uh, Bungie Loaders Crokeland, and they have actually introduced more solutions to deal not only with the trans fat bands uh, that affect indulgent bakery items like muffins, donuts, icings, and like that, but also tortillas that where they don't stick in the machines or they don't stick, you know, when you open up a tortilla pack and they stick? Well, no one wants that one. You give it to the kids. <laughs> so um, that and Kemen has invested in bakery, a uh, million-dollar investment in a bakery pilot uh, factory. So um, that I thought was very interesting. So we were talking a little bit about sweeteners as well as about the fats. Um, one of the other things that is coming back in from this clean label side of things, as well as the in ingredient innovations, is the importance of your flavors. And certainly, you were mentioning the cold brew coffee. Mm -hmm. Saw a lot of coffee, saw a ton of tea, and particularly chai tea. I think that's really kind of a trending flavor. You also saw a lot of floral. And certainly, when we think about clean label and natural, while there has been interest in natural flavors, I saw a lot of companies talking about a move from natural flavors, which still have a number of words for your label, to essences, which is a much cleaner product to be able to get the aroma and the literal flavor that you want from a single botanical or a fruit or vegetable. So from the essences, obviously that was something that I saw in the flavors. Sandy, on the flavor side, so I want to talk a little bit about specific flavors that I saw were trending. So spi spice, things are getting spicy. It's heating up. It's heating up. So it's really exciting for me because I love I love the heat. So um, I'm seeing a lot of uh, new spices from Africa or from Asia and from Mexico and South America. So that's really exciting. For instance, uh, Natrix had a product prototype, their traditional elote, um, which with chipotle puree, which was really good. Um, Bell Flavors had this whole focus on the flavors of Africa at their at their booth, and they had uh, yasa chicken flatbread. And what they were talking about is using yasa chicken, which is a traditional flavor of Africa with, that has habaneros and other flavors, and then mixing it with an American-friendly flatbread. So it's like, yeah, it's pizza. Like, Americans will eat pizza. Um, so a way to introduce these exotic flavors um, in a way that American consumers can recognize. Gold Coast had Thai curry sauces. Taste Point had vegan meatballs with Burberry spice, which is from Ethiopia. Um, Angie Moto had ancho cinnamon chocolate chili. Um, Asenza had jackfruit taco, which is was supposed to um, mimic uh, pork taco um, with habanero cre crema sauce. Uh, Florida Food Products had a vegetarian pasoli with fermented beets, which was like my favorite thing to, that I tasted at the whole, the whole show. So um, other flavors, mango, I thought, um, on the sweet side was super big um, and surprised me. Again, Gold Coast Ingredients was uh, showcasing a mango beverage. NatureX had a mango bubble tea. Cereal Ingredients had mango cookies that used pea protein. Uh, Pranova had a mango sustained energy beverage that had niacin and B vitamins as well as ribose. Um, and lastly, Bartek had pe uh, peach mango beverage. So a lot of mango beverages. You know, uh, just piggybacking on the flavors, you know, it's not just about the flavors. I had a really uh, nice talk with uh, the folks over at Miscan and their organic vinegars 
and uh, peppers and denatured spirits are really taking off. Um, they've had a lot of interest, uh, especially on the spirit side, from uh, the rise of mocktails. Um, but a ton of interest in organic. People want the organic, and they're using the different vinegars not only to promote you know, gut, gut health and such, but also to layer flavors. It's a layering, and especially in the culinary world, I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Interesting, I stopped by Finlay's, and they were also talking about the mocktail, the low alcohol consumption um, trend, and they really want to get their, their tea and beverages, uh, you know, their essence or their extracts uh, on that train. And, you know, I guess if, the, if, all, if these people aren't drinking late at night, they can stay awake with their, their coffee beverages. But they had some, uh, you know, cold brews on. on. Yeah, Finlay's yeah. also had some product prototypes. Um, they were not mocktails. We were in New Orleans, so they oh, were actual right. cocktails with teas. And they were also pretty delicious. But that was another area where you saw those essences being mm-hmm. used mm-hmm. for the clean label. Tabasco. They had a uh, uh, Tabasco-infused hurricane. It was pretty darn tasty. Mm. I know someone who went back for seconds, but <laughs> it was not me. I think you're also going to see a lot of continuation of flavors of being used in sauces and marinades um, as consumers get out of that comfort zone and really want to uh, you know, experience the world without a passport, so to speak. And a great way to experience the world through your food is to learn about the stories behind your food. Uh, we all know that sustainability and the stories of the supply chain and the farmers are super important to consumers. Um, on the show floor, I stopped by Cortiva AgriSciences, which just launched the Monday of IFT as its own separate entity. Um, it started as the Agriculture Division of Dow DuPont. Um, so their main goal is to work with the farmers for crop protection and to provide contracts for farmers for their sourcing needs and really support the farmer, which doing that will support the, the finished product brands because they've got happy farmers who feel secure and um, they can really help bridge that the, the supply chain story to consumers. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, the, the Purist booth, we know them for their textured pea protein, but they also have a very big focus on working with their farmers. They support U.S. farmers in their transition to regenerative and organic agriculture, which is a very big investment. Um, I've heard stats that it takes three years to go from a conventional to an organic standard, but you farmers can't charge the premium price point for organic until they actually have that certification. So it's cost prohibitive for many of them. Um, so Pyrrhus is, is helping to support farmers in, in that tran- transition, even though it's such a big an investment, but they see the future and that this is really important. I think supply chain and the, tra- the transparency of it is increasingly important. I was surprised that there was not more CBD at this show. I saw a little bit, but the biggest... I didn't see any CBD. The biggest CBD launch I saw was actually from Lane. And I spoke with their president, Elaine Yu, and she was talking about the fact that the food and beverage industry traditionally is a little more risk averse. So we saw a ton at Expo West. You've got that entrepreneur audience. This food and beverage is, you know, mainstream. I'm not seeing Kellogg coming out with something immediately. But I have no doubt that they're actually looking into the category and determining where does it fit. Well, you've got a company like Lane that has vast experience in botanical extraction, making a huge investment from the farm through the extraction, and they're a company that's already known. So I feel like that's one of those areas where you're going to see the supply story in B2B make a big difference in how companies approach a potential category 
like CBD. Sustainability in the supply chain, as you mentioned, also pretty important in talking with Chris Hansen. They were talking about the fact that they were actually just named, well, in January, the most sustainable company in the world by Corporate Knights, wow. which is a media and investment firm. And they scored 100% on this clean revenue indicator, reflecting that their products have clear environmental and social benefits. They actually developed a corporate strategy, nature's number one, sustainably. And they used the UN Global Goals as a framework to be able to link their corporate strategy to their sustainable development ingredient development. So for me, that's really exciting to see that a company in our industry that's really focused on nutrition, health, and sustainability. And it's you know, not only the big things like that, it's smaller things that you can do as well. BI Nutraceuticals has actually announced a water savings milestone. They have conserved 10 million gallons of water a year since they opened their facility in Nevada in 2015. And they did it by looking at their sterilization process, which is a nice clean process that uses a lot of water, and figured out how could they optimize the cooling and heating portions of that process to minimize the water that they were using. So again, interesting sustainability stories that they're sharing in the B2B market. And eventually it could go to consumers, but in the meantime, I think you're seeing the partnerships within the industry. Uh, that's what's really pushing that demand. Absolutely. And really, you know, working with the farmers. Um, the Annex by Ardent Mills, they just announced a new relationship with Colorado farmers to grow their Colorado quinoa, but it supports biodiversity, sustainable growing practices, and again, as you mentioned, Heather, water conservation. Without water, we don't have crops. So you're going to see a lot of these comp ingredient suppliers really looking to save Mother Earth, so to speak. Um, you know, and another thing that we've heard a lot about is, you know, greenhouse gas effect. And um, U.S. Dairy Export Council was really there, you know, yes, to, to talk about, you know, their neutral, dairy's neutral flavor pro profile and nutrition, but they were also talking about sustainability and how do you educate the consumers that, you know, really dairy is a, sustain a sustainable ingredient or ingredients. So they're really doing a big push uh, on the consumer side is that as well. Um, again, Cargill, they have a new waxy corn promise program. Again, sustainable agricultural. Uh, they are going to, they are going to source 100% of their waxy corn uh, with partnerships with co-ops and their farmers. So they're really working with these people as teams. So, I mean, we've, we've covered a lot. There, there, we're missing a ton probably, but um, let's wrap it up with what was your favorite thing that you actually saw that was innovative and, and really cool on the show floor? Kind of fascinating to me. I actually saw two companies that were promoting kombucha powder. We've seen a ton of kombucha, um, but literally there was this company, Latour, out of Colombia, as well as BI. And they were both offering powder kombucha products that could be incorporated into shelf-stable applications. So you're looking at more options across the food category uh, using kombucha. So really piggybacking on that trend that we've already seen in the beverage space. So a notable trend I saw were keto cookies. There were keto cookies everywhere, uh, mostly using almond flour. Uh, Young Bungs Lauer had one. Um, with their sea salts and their stevia. Virginia Dare already mentioned had one with six grams of protein and that used the Reb-M um, almond, and almond flour. 
Bioenergy had one with with their ribose in it, which they use ribose as a sweetener as well as uh, an ingredient that gives energy. Butter Buds had a keto bite, which um, they used their their non-dairy butter flavor. It wasn't a cookie, but it was a bite. That's kind of cookie-esque. Um, so just a lot of uh, keto keto snacking. Pe- yeah, people who are are keto, but they still want their their sweet treats, which I, I can appreciate. Um, and I also want to give my prediction for like the next big tr- product. And to, to Heather's kombucha, um, fermented coffee. It's gonna happen. I, I know. I know. It's gonna happen. Let's in two three years from now. It's gonna be the new kombucha. Uh, what I noticed. Trend-wise, what kind of caught my eye, and I, I'm trying to look at, you know, two or three years out, see what kind of new products are going to roll out, are companies like Edlong, Butter Buds, Land O'Lakes that traditionally offer, you know, dairy flavors. They're offering non-dairy. Well, all in all, it was a great show. I love New Orleans. Yes. Absolutely. Well, thank you, ladies, for joining us. This episode has been brought to you by Supply Side West, October 15th through the 19th in Las Vegas.